Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 61 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. I am your host of the show. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself on Twitter at JustinHughes365. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82 on Twitter. You can join our Facebook group where we are over 1,800 members strong. All And we are having baseball discussions every single day. Baseball 365, where baseball lives 365 days a year. And if you want to support the show, we will be giving out a Baseball 365 t-shirt and at the end of this month. And all you have to do is leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, on Google, uh, what is it, the Google Play Store, whatever way you listen to podcasts. If you get leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot of that review and reach out to the Baseball 365 pod on Twitter... Or send me a message on Facebook and we'll get you added to the list uh, into the entry. And now let me introduce Andrew. And Andrew, I've got my question of the day for you. And originally on the show notes, I had a different question. But a conversation that I was having with a few of our Baseball 365 buddies, Bob Rag, specifically talked about how he just received some Girl Scout cookies today. And we got to talking about what our favorite Girl Scout cookies were, because this is the time of year where they're starting to show up and get them out there. And Andrew, my question for you, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? I'm going to go with Thin Mints and Shortbread. I'm I'm pretty simple with that stuff. Shortbread? I, I don't even know if I've ever had those. Hmm. I like Shortbread cookies, though, so... I'm yeah, sure that's a good just, one. They're just like wave, you know, vanilla wafers type type of cookie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty simple. I don't like the complicated stuff. The peanut butter ones are okay, I guess. But the yeah, peanut butter and shortbread. The peanut butter is a number two, but it's a distant number two for me. Uh, my favorite are those caramel delights, the caramel coconut cookies, basically anything involving caramel, I'm all about. So that's my favorite. The Thin Mints are, I think, the most popular, and I won't eat one. Like really? you could, you could have a box sitting in my house, and if I, if there are cookie, cookies in the house, I will eat them. I love cookies, but I won't touch those. My wife, I, I'm not a mint fan of like, I'll eat a mint to for a breath freshener, but I will never eat anything mint flavored for pleasure. So they don't do it for me, and. My wife, she every once in a while bakes chocolate chip cookies and gets mad at how fast I devour through those. But she knows that if she ever makes some uh, partial batch of mint chocolate chip cookies, she's guaranteed to have all those to herself because I will not eat one. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm I feel like I'm forgetting one that I do like, but I just can't think of what all of them are. I haven't had any in a while. So, Uh, oh, they have those devil's food ones. I think those are really good. I think I really yeah, like the devil's food. Do you know the I'm caramel delights sure. that I, I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, I know which ones you're talking about, yeah. I didn't yeah, know this. Yeah, those are fine. They're fine. I, I don't mind any of them. I just prefer, I think, the more plain ones. But they actually, Bob was telling me that 
They now call them Samoas, those caramel ones. I oh, really? had no idea. I'm like, no, can we please go back to the Caramel Delight? That's the name <laughs> of them. <laughs> but apparently they're Samoas. Nice. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the shortstop position, going over each shortstop in their NFBC ADP, and it's going to be our final hitting position preview that we have because we've done every single other position on the field now except for pitchers. So we're finally getting through this, and pit- all we got is pitchers left, Andrew, and we're going to be done. Yeah. Well, now, utility guys too, but there's only a few of those. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot we do have those to tie in on with the relievers, and I think we're going to work on that next week. And then we got some other stuff, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Meanwhile, let's. Uh, I guess when we recorded last week, the whole Mookie Betts trade had just broke down as we were just getting started on the second base position, and we were talking about how Mookie and Price were traded for Alex Verdugo and Jordan, or not Jordan Belazovic, the other um twin guy Bruce Dark Gratterall and I guess the Red Sox they claimed that the medicals weren't good on Gratterall and the deal looked like it was about to fall apart and for to but what was good for Boston they ended up with Derek <laughs> I almost said Derek Jeter instead Jeter <laughs> Downs instead so Derek Jeter to Boston. <laughs> it's still funny to say Jeter to Boston. It's yeah. just the weirdest thing to know that there's going to be a guy named Jeter, which I'm assuming given he's probably, what, how old's Jeter down? 18 to 21, somewhere in that range? I want to say like 21, yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the, where they got that name from. wonder what made him think of naming him Jeter. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's some Yankee fans in his family. Yeah, you would think. So, either way, pretty, I mean, I guess this works out well for Boston. Does it feel a little gross that this fell apart whenever they're saying Bruce Dark Gratterall's had some medicals? And it's like, what, did you think that this guy was completely healthy? And couldn't they do that? Couldn't you do that with any pitcher you're signing? Like, I remember hearing medical doctors on podcasts talk about how you know, pitchers and throwing motion that they do with their elbows, it's not something that they're supposed to naturally do. So all of the all of these guys have damage to their elbow. I wonder if this is Boston getting so much heat for the trade and being like, okay, maybe we could find an maybe we need to find another deal to be had here. Do you think that 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 was that's possible in this situation, Andrew? I'm not really sure. I- there was so much going on during all that. I was because of the multiple trades, you know, it was involving or the other one was involving the angels. And there were so many players moving that when they were acting like it backfired, I was just like, okay, I'm not even going to look at this until it's done because I couldn't keep track of it all. You know, there's just, there were so many guys and I think I finally got it, but, it was kind of uh, a whirlwind there for a couple of days. It was funny. There were so many guys that had the, over the course of this last weekend that had no idea what team they played on and were days from pitchers and catchers recording for reporting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but Jeter Downs got a new home, and I think that's probably a good thing for him because Boston's got an opening right there in their middle infield at that second base plot. They really don't have anybody tied there to where 
That could be a real nice get for them. Yeah, I could see it might be another year till he's yes. up, but yeah. Good for them, and the Dodgers, the rich keep getting richer. I mean, the team that was already the heavy favorite in the National League, and now they've got Mookie and Price, but we already went over that a lot. So I guess we'll just take a break here, and then whenever we get back, we'll get started on shortstop. And as usual, I've got the 2019 ranks for a shortstop from last year. And I'm going to start off reading those and see what we had last year. And number one shortstop last year was Francisco Lindor going fifth overall. And number two was Trey Turner, a couple picks later at eight. Number three is Alex Bregman at 13 overall. Uh, Manny Machado fourth at 15 overall. Javi Baez at 16, so Baez and Machado were both going at the wheel. A couple picks after that was Trevor Story at 19, Adalberto Mondesi at 40, Xander Bogarts at 49, Carlos Correa at 50, and Glaber Torres at 62. Now, Andrew, we've done this at just about, I think we've done this at every position but one, and this has to be the best-looking list a year later, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. A lot of studs in here. This position is loaded. It is. It is incredibly loaded, and we'll just move right into that. You know, with the position looking so good and loaded, what is your strategy for filling this position in redraft leagues? I think you can go a lot of different ways. I mean, it's it's so deep. It, the, I almost think that there's an argument to be made because it's so deep that the top-end guys could even be more valuable. But it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, I'm not really tied to any specific strategy just because of the depth of it. I mean, you can go down to about probably 15 to 20 and I'm still comfortable with those guys is maybe even a little bit lower still comfortable with those guys as my shortstop in like a 15 team league so as a whole I mean this is about as loaded as I can remember any position let alone shortstop it's definitely the most loaded I've ever seen shortstop ever since I've been playing fantasy baseball definitely it's, crazy. it's just crazy how loaded it is you know the top, back when I started playing fantasy baseball, it was 2002, and there was the big four at that point. And you wanted to get one of those big four, and those guys were incredible. I want to say Derek Jeter, A-Rod, Miguel Tejada, Nomar. and Nomar was in there. I want to say there was one more. I could be wrong. That could be the four. And you wanted to get one of those guys, and it dropped off quick after that. And I don't think we've got the super studs that they had at that time because, well, they were those guys were playing at a crazy level and, you know, a couple of them were found to have been using PEDs at the time. But, man, it's just an incredible position. And I got to say, doing drafts, despite knowing that, I seem to find myself being aggressive on these top five to eight 
to t- actually five to top 10 even. I really want to make sure I get one of those because they're just so good. And when I get past that a little bit, well, even 12, 13, 14 deep, I, I want to get one of those guys. It's not a position that I'm like, okay, I can just wait till fi- after 15 because the position's so deep. And yeah, those guys back there are still quality, but they're, I just see a big difference between them and these guys on the top five, 10 overall. Yeah. See, I, I think there's an argument to be made that it's smart in like a redraft league to take aces, maybe get a stud closer, maybe get somebody at a scarce position like catcher or first base. And obviously you're going to be drafting outfielders throughout the draft and, and waiting on this position because when you're molding your team, I feel like you can still get guys later on that you're still going to be pretty pleased with. So I don't really have any uh, any type of – like I'm not against any way you want to go here. I think you can make the argument for – because the top guys are studs and they're definitely guys that you're going to want. But it's not like if you don't get them, you're not taking good players in other spots. And It's true. There's dr- bigger drop-offs at the other positions. Like I'm looking at this just going down the list, and we're obviously going to get to the names, but – I don't even see anywhere going down, maybe till you get to about 23 to 24, where I'm like, whoa, there's a drop off there. Like, I know there is with the ADPs a little bit, but I don't even see a drastic one anywhere. Yeah. So I just feel like you can kind of do what you want at this position and it'll probably be okay. What is it, like 15 or so of them are in the top 100? It's just incredible. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, let's get started, and we'll talk about number one, and that this year is Francisco Lindor at eighth overall. And that ADP of eight is fine, And I, but I'll also add that I think I'm taking this guy five or six at the latest. Uh, Lindor had that ankle injury around this time last year, missed the first week or two of the season, still finished with 32 home runs and 22 stolen bases. And I, I remember us talking at this point last year, and I had reservations about going too aggressive on him because ankle injuries, that's something, I think he had a high ankle sprain, and that can limit your speed for that year. And still the fact that he spent stole 22 bases, that's real impressive. And Steamer is getting aggressive on him in their projections with 35 home runs and 22 steals, 57 Home runs plus steals, that means. So, Andrew, does that feel aggressive or about right? 57, you said? Yes. Yeah, I think that's about right. 35 home runs. I think that's a little closer to the ceiling than the floor, but yeah, it's close. Yeah, I think it's about pretty close. Uh, And I just love the guy. He's... I think you've talked a lot about just him being one of your favorite players in baseball, right? Yeah, he's he's probably my favorite position player in the league. I just I love the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Like he's just such a joy to watch. He's always smiling, just loving life, you know. I mean, and he's obviously great. Five category stud. His uh his pull percentage jumped a little bit last year and his ground ball percentage jumped a little bit, but 
it's like minor details, man. I mean, there's nothing to worry about with this guy. He's a stud. I'd probably take him right about here. I think you saying you'd take him at five or six, you'd probably take him before me, but we're nitpicking a couple spots. It's not a big yeah. deal. He's he's but, awesome. There's nothing wrong with taking any of those guys in that slot that's that are going up there. It's just a personal I really think, preference thing. I really think anything to do with Lindor, I mean, you can take him as high as like three or four down to the, you know, 12, 13, probably. It really just comes down to how you want to build your team. Yep. So that's really all it is. Would you take him number one of the shortstops? Because we got Trey Turner going a couple picks later. Let me just ask you between those two, who are you taking first? In a draft, redraft league. In a redraft, I think I'm taking Trey. Yeah, and but it's I don't, pretty pretty close. Yeah, flip a coin for me. I honestly don't know what I would do in the in the moment. As I say, I would take Lindor up there. Trey, I think I'd take earlier too, because they're both just so good in what they provide. Yeah. Yep. So we'll move on to Trey who missed almost a quarter of the season and still finished with 19 home runs and 35 stolen bases. That was in 122 games. I love getting Trey, as I feel there's no one else quite like him in fantasy, and I do get that shortstop looks better than other positions, but I'm not hating, I'm not hesitating at all personally at taking Lindor or Trey here early, like I said. and They're both incredible. Trey Turner... You know, the word you used a lot last year, and I think he's the king of this phrase, which is unique skill set. Yep. Second high or second fastest sprint speed in Major League Baseball last season. In his career, 53 steals per 160 games played. I mean, really, the main thing is just injuries with him recently. He's been banged up a little bit more than you like, but I've kind of said in the past and believe that a lot of that stuff is fluky and you can't, it's not predictable year to year. I don't really feel it is with him any more than anybody else, but yeah, he missed 40 games last year. And I mean, the year before he played 162. So, Mm -hmm. but the year before that was 98 and he's just been beat up a little bit more than a lot of these top guys, but it doesn't change how I feel about him. I mean, obviously you're getting tons of steals and yeah, it's just kind of the perfect combination of batting average run scored, you know, lighter power than some of the other guys, but you can make up that later in the draft. So it, it's a good setup for the team it, other than the fact that he plays at the deepest position, but again, nitpicking. So, you know, the Nationals said this off season there uh, that they're even considering and putting him in the three hole, which Sounds crazy to me, but if they were to actually choose to do that, do you think that would be a negative for him, or do you not re- no impact? I tend to think yes. Like I'd rather have him just where he's been, but it may not. You know, it, it'll probably would up his RBI. Yes. I don't know why. It, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't. Just because obviously in the National League, when you're leading off you're hitting behind the seven, eight, nine guys. So I don't know. That's a good question. It, it, would he run as much? I mean, you would think a guy like that, it's not going to matter, but I'd prefer to just have him where he's at. I like it to me. It, it's always with stuff like this. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's great. Just leave him be. Yeah, I agree. Hey, you know, 
stick somebody else in that slot. Stick the Ryan Ryan or Eric Thames, um, Ryan Zimmerman platoon combo, whichever whichever side's pitching, lefty or righty, and just throw them in that three hole, whoever. Or just put Soto there. Either one. But Yeah, I'd have I'd have Soto there. Yeah. No no wrong answer there. Uh what about Dynasty? We'll just uh, I'll ask you that question. Who is more valuable to you in Dynasty between the two? And I think we're splitting hairs personally, but Trey or Lindor, if you were in a Dynasty startup, which do you think you're taking first? Yeah, we're definitely splitting hairs. <laughs> I was thinking about this today. I actually have two shares of Lindor and one share of Trey. So clearly it's Lindor then. In my four, yeah, in my four, uh, my four leagues. I think my ultimate answer is short term. I think Trey, what he brings to the table is more valuable. But I think Lindor's skill set will last longer. So whatever you want to make of that, I mean, it's like they're like back to back, you know, it's just. But yeah, Trey, Trey in this moment right now doing what he's doing, I just feel like it's just so incredibly valuable. Yeah, it's hard to find that. And I like what you said there. But like three, three, four years from now, when Trey slows down a little bit. I mean, I don't know when it'll be exactly, but that would be my guess. Lindor's probably going to have a slower drop-off, you know? Uh, that would at least be my prediction. So when that time comes, I mean, it just depends on how you want to play it. But for the next couple of years, I think I'd rather have Trey. But it's splitting hairs. Yeah, the speed guys, when the speed drops off, it goes quick. Like Brett Gardner. Everybody forgets that Brett Gardner at one time was a guy who stole 50 bases with 10 home runs. And as soon as that pa- pa- the speed went down to 15 to 20 steals, I mean, now he's a 15th round, 20th round pick for the last five years. He's been that to where, yeah, that's, that's the difference when the speed goes with those guys. It's not like they're going to have this big jump up in power. Well, I guess he's gone to being a, what do you, didn't he hit close to 30 homers last year? So maybe I'm, but that's Who's also that? in Yankee. Uh, Brett Gardner. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Trey. I was like, no, no, no. I don't think so. Well, I'm, I guess I'm getting a little offhand here, but Trey isn't going to see in a big spike up in home runs. I don't think once the speed starts dropping while yeah, you I know, think power Lindor's holds. Be- I think Lindor's a better hitter. Yeah, you know, so that too. That's the that's the argument for him. But what Trey does with the steals, it's just speaks for itself. Yep. Okay, number three is Alex Bregman. He's going tenth overall, and we did discuss him on the third base podcast. And Andrew had some great stat breakdowns on Bregman's home road splits on that show. And if you did not listen, I highly recommend you go listen, download the third base podcast just to hear that. And go find if you don't have time for anything else, go find Bregman and listen to that part because it was incredible what he pulled from there. Number four was Trevor's story going 11th overall. And Trevor had 35 home runs, 23 steals, a 294 average in 2020. He's a first round stud, man. And this position, like we've said, is just continuing to crank out stud after stud here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's he is the argument. I was thinking about this. 
he is kind of the argument for buying the power speed combo guy without the perfect hit tool. Uh-huh. He's kind of just turned into that. I mean, a lot of it obviously is cores, and I I wanted to look at the splits on this guy, and I tell you, he better stay in Colorado. That's all I'm going to say. His splits are so drastic that if he ever leaves, it's going to be really tough. He was actually – he actually last year had a 98 WRC plus on the road, so he was a below average hitter on the road. And over the course of his career, the splits are just eye-popping. They're very – I feel like he would be more affected – by leaving cores than like Arenado would be just looking yes, at this. I agree. Two, 250 career hitter on the road. And I'm not sitting here trying to bash story because story's great. I was just looking at that to see, you know, because obviously it's a big thing when it's a cores player, but I mean, there's no sign of him leaving. I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. So, no. and in course, he's an absolute monster. So that's uh, obviously a nice thing. I, Eventually, if it ever does happen, though, it's just something to think about because I think it drops off dramatically if if you were to ever leave. You're not kidding. I'm looking at it right now, and I hadn't looked at it this offseason. Yeah. 328 average at home, 260 on the road. For his career, for his career in basically the same number of games, 301 on 301 in cores, 250 on the road. And almost double the homers at home. I mean, it's very drastic. So, yeah, if he was not there, he's probably like a twenty twenty guy, as compared to a thirty twenty, thirty five twenty. Yeah, and a guy that's possibly below average in batting average. Yeah. You know? So, just again, it's we're nitpicking. These guys are all awesome. I just thought it was interesting to look at when he obviously plays his home games in the best hitters park in the world so and that just means he's more likely to stay there because nobody other teams see that too and they're not going to be paying a high price to trade for him so on that note stay in colorado trevor yeah (laughs) probably for the best for your career too yeah now he's projected for 56 home runs plus steals this year and if he can play 145 or more games I'm taking the over on that total. He's becoming pretty dependable in the power speed department. What do you think? What do you have? Fifty-eight last year. Fifty-eight. Yeah, I guess it's I 64, I should sixty-four. Sixty-four the year before. Yeah, I take the over. As long as he's healthy. Now, if you're talking, if he misses games, obviously he's not hitting that. But if he can get himself 150 plus games, or even 145 like he did last year, yeah. Stunned. Okay, let's move on to number five. This guy's going 17th overall in ADP on NFBC, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr., the 20-year-old. And it's been a, with me personally, it's been a roller coaster offseason of, with Tatis takes. And early on, I was saying I was out on him, and then I changed my mind. And now I've taken him in the Rotomasters draft and hold league that we talked about with Chris Wonder last month, and I just traded for him in my dynasty league. But through this, Andrew, you said you weren't sure if you'd taken this high or not. You didn't say you wouldn't. And I remember the line you said is, if somebody does it, you'd get it. But 
now we're into February and we got drafts going on and you've had more time to think about this. Do you think you'd consider Tatis in the top 20 of a, or like, do you think you would take him in the top 20 of a redraft? I think it would depend on, it would have to fall like perfectly the draft. I, I'm inclined to say no, but it would just depend on who I took with that pick. Obviously, you're going to have to be in the late stage of the first round and mm-hmm. kind of how I wanted to do it. But uh, I'm, I'm inclined to say probably not. But there's, there's maybe a scenario where I would if like the right guys had gone, you know, it just kind of would depend on some of that and who was on the board. So, so you might have him as a borderline top 20 guy, but it almost have to go chalk in your rankings for you to take him. So he's probably not. To me, it's not always just about rankings though. It's about Mm -hmm. who Who you got in the first first round, round, who you want to take. You know, when I get to the end there, I'm thinking about pitching because I would like to, if I'm picking between, say, 11 and 15, I want to get a pitcher, one of those big aces, if I can. Mm -hmm. And whether I take them first or second doesn't make a difference to me. I would would take them first if it was like the last guy that I wanted and then just take the hitter second because a lot of those hitters from the late first – all the way to like the late second are very similar to me. I, I just wouldn't care which one I got. Yep. You know, I'm not saying it wouldn't, it couldn't be Tatis. It maybe could, but I wouldn't be necessarily prioritizing him. I just, just to give a little bit on, on him, pure steamer projections, Mondesi, Machado and Baez are all projected to out earn him this season. I mean, he could he could go thirty thirty, but I kind of feel like he needs to because there's there's just no discount. Like you had, he nope. has to. He pretty much has to do what you really want him to do, and even if he does, I mean, how many spots is he really going to move up? I mean, next year, I guess if he did that, you're talking about him in the top five or six. But taking him at where we're at what are we at 17 mm-hmm. i don't know i just feel like he has to do that to really get return on on this pick now granted the steals are nice he should get that don't look at the 317 average from last year he's nowhere near that he is expected batting average was 259 so i mean i like tatis he obviously has a really high ceiling but when you look at some of the other guys projections Versus his, and if you believe in the projections, I mean, he's projected for 30 homers, 23 steals, 265 average. I think that's pretty fair. 92 runs scored, 81 RBIs. I mean, I think all of that is pretty fair. Could he outdo that? Yeah. Could he not do quite that? Probably too, you know? So it's tough to say. There's just there's no secrets with this guy. There's no discounts with this guy. He's just gonna have to do that. And even if he hits those projections, I'm not sure he returns, you know, top twenty overall. So just something to keep in mind. 
I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm still going to ask it. You're you've taken an ace in the first round, and you're there at your pick at number 19 overall. And Bryce Harper and Tatis are there. Who are you taking? Mm. <laughs> I, th- I, think questions. Taking, I think I'm taking Bryce Harper. I figured. Hearing you say that, I thought he'd take Harper here. Yeah, it's and it it's a combination of things, but one big thing is the position. I would just rather start filling yeah. outfields. You know, and that's something I'm gonna be trying to keep in mind a lot more with these with these redraft. I just there's so many shortstops I could take. I mm-hmm. We're, I, I'm going to bring up Tatis again here in a little bit, but I've got a another reason why I would consider passing on him because of a guy that's a good bit further down, but we'll get to it. Okay, last question for you on Tatis here. True or false, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a top 10 dynasty player? Close, but I'm going to say true. So just inside? He's right. He's right in there. If he's not tap 10, he's 11, 12. Yeah, he's right in there. Because the thing is, if it all clicks, I mean, he could be at Cunha. Yeah, I'm not saying be, not saying he will be, but there's a there's a chance. Yeah, I don't I didn't mean to say yes so quickly to that. <laughs> he could be a top three to five player, I think. Yeah, yeah, he could. But it, it does have to click. Like, there's a couple, you know, a few things that have to happen. But, yeah, I, I think he has that ceiling. And uh, a lot of what I say with the – or what I said with the redraft stuff is just because it's redraft. I don't think any – this kid's future is phenomenal, obviously. It's, he's going to be great. Yeah. I Like I said, I traded for him in the Dynasty League last week. And – I solely traded, made that trade because of the upside that he possibly could be that. Because I gave, I mean, it was a loaded trade. I mean, I know I talked to you while I was doing it, but oh, yeah. a, a, one of my league mates asked me about Bo Bichette, who I highly value as a top 25 dynasty player. And he was, he's a Blue Jays fan and was wanting to try to get him on his team. And I went and looked at his roster and I told him, I'm like, it's likely going to involve, if you're going to get Bichette, it's, Tatis is probably coming my way. And it really didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And a couple hours later, he sent me this mega trade offer. And I made one slight counter, but what it ended up being was I got Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Jordan Groshans, and I gave up Bo Bichette, Keston Hira, and... Um, uh, Christian Robinson mega trade. There were some trade draft picks going in there too, but honestly they were pretty uh, That part was pretty close to that was irrelevant. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a fun trade. <laughs> it's like you, uh, uh, yeah, there were studs. We both won. That's the way I look at it right now. But what the reason I made that deal is because I think Fernando Tatis is the highest upside of all those guys. And I'm just taking the shot on that. And we'll just see how it goes. So Tatis, I've got a baseball. You signed a baseball for me two years ago here in AA Springfield. Now I'm cheering for you because you're on my dynasty team. Go go out there and go be a Cunha, buddy. 
<laughs> okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll, after we get back, we'll circle and finish up with the top 10 here. Okay. We're back and we're going to start off with Glaber Torres actually just br- we're shooting right over him at 29th overall. If you'd like to hear us talk about Glaber, he's on the second base podcast where Andrew and I talk about whether he's the number one overall second baseman in redraft leagues this year. And then after that, we got Xander Bogarts at 37. So we're talking the middle of the third round and Xander doesn't run much anymore, but at this point he's a four category stud, isn't he, Andrew? Yeah, Definitely. Main thing with him, I I think the counting stats could take a little bit of a hit because of bets being gone. But still a real good lineup. High average floor, 288 career hitter, 10% walk rate, 17% K rate. I mean, he's he's a stud. You know what you're getting. Hitting third for Boston. I mean, it's not a lot of steals, but it's pretty much everything else and batting average is a little undervalued these days. I feel like he definitely Mm -hmm. provides that. So solid. JD Martinez did wonders for him. I think it was two years ago. I owned him in 2018 and, and that off season JD had worked with him on his swing and he came in and you could just see a different player that year in terms of just whipping around on pitches and, blasting him over that Fenway um the green monster that he just he was a different player that year and he's continued to I think he's even gotten better this last year to where yeah he's a four category stud you're not getting the speed but you're getting everything else when I think of when I think of Bogarts I always think of do you you remember who he was hyped kind of alongside when he came up as a prospect it was as a middle infielder. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not remember who was it. And I, I mostly remember it because I liked both of them a lot when they were coming up. Jerks and Profar <laughs> and Xander Bogarts. And it's just, it's kind of funny how things turn. I mean, Profar was pretty consensus ahead of. Yes, I was about to say, I I think Profar was the higher-touted one. Yeah, yeah, at least at one point or maybe more than that. I I feel like a lot of the scouting industry has changed and gotten better since, but it's just kind of funny to look back on, you know? You know, I hadn't thought about this till now, but Xander Bogarts, isn't that what we're kind of hoping Carlos Correa is, if he could stay healthy? I swear to you that was in my notes when we got to Korea. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'll just say it. Yeah. I'll just say it now. I, I don't care. I just realized yeah. that. that yeah, they're so kind of similar. They're the same player. Not the same, but they're similar, yeah. Pretty similar, yeah. Okay. We'll move on. Jonathan VR, we've already mentioned him on the second base pod, or – Yes, and um, he's. I didn't even put where he's at. I think he was right after him. And then we got Adalberto Mondesi as the ninth shortstop off the board, going just right after VR. 
And Mondesi exploded on the baseball scene in the second half of 2018. And we spent all last offseason crapping on him and his ADP. And while he didn't stay healthy, he was awesome again for the Royals when healthy. In two-thirds of a season, he hit 263 with nine home runs and a game-changing 43 stolen bases. And he was around 60 runs and RBI, which in two-thirds of a season, that's pretty solid too. What's weird about it is he's going around the same slot this year as he was last year. And I really thought a year ago that his value one way or another was going to be higher or lower. And here he is going about the same thing, same spot. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. I I definitely thought it would be lower, actually. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, a lot of it healthy for the entire season. It would be higher than this, I'm sure. He was, I mean, he was really good in the 102 games. I mean, as far as providing the steals, projected this year to lead the league with 49 steals. So obviously, you like to see that. 4.3% 4.3% walk rate, bottom 4% in the league, 29.8% K rate, bottom 6% in the league. WRC plus went from 114 in 2018 to 82 in 2019. I mean, he'll run and he'll play. Hopefully Matheny doesn't hold him back. I doubt he does. But one thing I would be just thinking about is if there's some early season caught stealings, you never know. I just, Mm -hmm. I feel pretty strongly about the whole Matheny thing. I know we mentioned it when we were talking about wit, but Mondesi's never really had problems with that. I mean, he was 43 of 50 last year and he's really fast, so he shouldn't have problems with it. But for a conservative manager, if he's out there watching and, Caught stealing, caught stealing, caught stealing. You never know. I just, who knows? I still don't think he's a good hitter, really. I mean, when he makes contact, the contact is okay. I mean, it's fine, but strikes out a lot and just doesn't get on base a lot. 282 career OBP. Which is terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I have similar opinions on him to what I had last year. But I also am more willing to admit that the steals here are they're going to happen and he's going to play just because of how, you know, they're just not a good team. I do think the 20 home runs on Steamer is a little high, though. I definitely would take the under on that. I agree. I agree. That's aggressive. Maybe I mean, I'm not going to say it can happen, but I'm not I'm not I'm definitely taking the under. It's probably more like 15 to 18 if he plays the whole season. I think it's one of those guys if you take – because his, his ADP here is like late third round of a 15-team league, I think. I don't yep. know. It's, it's not on here. But that's – you know, if you take Freeman or if you take Arenado or if you take – trying to think of another guy. Basically, if you have no steals, like if you go ace and then power average bat. I think he's a good guy to take in the late third. Like I would have no issue with it at that point. Or if you took two average and power bats at the back end of round one and the early part of round two, then I think it's fine. But if you took like Jose Ramirez or you took 
I don't know, somebody else that provides you with some type of speed. Tatis. Tatis, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't take Mondesi. I just I agree. Completely agree with all that. And you know, going off of that, we had our Rotomasters draft and hold, and I think we mentioned that on that podcast with Chris that Ryan uh, or I meant to say Benny and his sidekick, Ryan, they um took Freddie Freeman and Nolan Arenado with their first two picks and came around in the third round. And sure enough, they took Mondesi. And that was brilliant because of what they had done. But yeah, you yeah. and I'll move this into I'm, I'm doing an auction draft right now. And I know one of my biggest weaknesses in auctions is getting speed. I'm just not good at it to where I really need to get myself one of those rabbits because I'm not going to draft and I'm not going to draft enough of those guys that provide 10, 15, 20 steals. So I decided going into this draft that I was going to get a rabbit, whether that early meant Starlin Marte, Mondesi, or VR. I was going to get one of those guys. I just decided I, and I wasn't going to pay for the elite ones. So sure enough, I got Mondesi for 26 bucks. And it's really funny thinking about that now, thinking about how, if I had told myself a year ago that I was going to take Mondesi for 26 in this auction, it goes back to what we were saying. I would have guessed I would have been buying them for $3 or $43, but here I did got them for 20, 26. And I, again, I'd love to have told myself that about a year ago because we were crapping on him pretty hard at this point last year. I think we, he was one of the longest we talked about last year in terms of like, as we were doing our ADP segments, we went on for on for a while for about him. Any final words or move on to hobby? No, we can move on to hobby. Okay, well, Javi Baez is a 40th overall, which, by the way, Mondesi is 39th. I looked that up while you were mentioning that because I forgot to put that in the oh, notes. Okay. So they're pretty much back-to-back here. And last year, Javi had second, short, and third base eligibility. And after... He was played strictly as a shortstop, and that's the only eligibility he has this year. And probably has, given the depth of the position, probably has owners wishing he was eligible somewhere else. But Baez delivered again, 281 with 29 home runs and 11 steals in 138 games before he had some injury, I think in September, that ended his season. So, Andrew, he was going... Right at the one-two wheel last year. Now he's going more late third. It, is Javi get a discount giving him going at this spot? You know, he's obviously lower than last year, but do you do you think this is a good discount? Yeah, it's definitely better than last year. Is uh what was he last year? Sixteen? Yes. Yeah, I really I actually was thinking about it. It's like, why is it that much different? Because I don't really feel like he's changed much. Launch angle trending, launch angle trending down over, over the course of his career a little bit. He did hit over 50% ground balls. First time in his career. Hits the ball hard, equally crushes breaking balls and fastballs. 
86 percentile sprint speed. I mean, I, I know people are just looking at the 21 to 11 in stolen bases, mm-hmm. but he's still fat. He's still fast. He's still aggressive. I, I still think he's going to get maybe not 21 steals, but more than 11. So whatever on that. But when you consider the difference between 16th pick to 40th, I don't know if I just don't really see enough of a difference in skills to warrant that other than he was just going too high last year. And now it's, you know, more so in the right spot. Cause I, th- I did, I remember saying he, I thought he was going too high. This is a lot better. I'm not sure I'll own him here, but definitely more likely to than I was last year. Yeah. No issue with the spot. I was the same way. I did not like his ADP last year. I've said it before. He kind of, it seems like he's very similar to Carlos Gomez about 10 years ago, someone who has a short peak as an elite player. And Javi is 27 now, but he's still an elite player with incredibly electric bat speed, and I have no problem with that. But my question, should dynasty owners start giving that some thought in terms of the short window here as an elite player? You should always be thinking about that stuff. I mean... To give it thought is one thing, but it just depends on when you're contending, what other people are offering you. There's a lot of moving parts there. It's not mm-hmm. like you can just give the guy away because you're anticipating a fall off that hasn't happened yet. It may or may not happen, but uh, you probably would just have to find the guy that's hot for Javier Baez and see what you can get. But I could see that going either way as far as trying to trade him or hang on to him. I think I personally would view him because he's a high-level player that's 27, and if I owned him, I would be viewing him as a high-level 31-year-old player because, you know, not everybody falls apart right there around 30. Some of them, a lot of them are in, you know, 33, 34. It's all different with guys, but I just don't think that he's going to be a guy who's going to be a high-level player in his 30s. So, yeah, that's the way I'd kind of look at him. He's still great right now, though. And yeah, I'm that 40 ADP is a lot better. Yeah, when he when he starts to lose some of that bad speed. He definitely could drop off. I also feel like, though, we've heard that stuff with like George Springer, too. And uh-huh. he isn't falling off, you know. No, just, he I, I don't know. Some of that stuff. It's. Yeah, when when this happens or that happens and we think. And when I say we, I mean everybody, because everybody's guilty of it. But it's you think in your head when you know when it's going to happen, and it's not always right. I mean, you still are going to make your educated guess and go with it. But yeah, when when the bat speed falls off, he he could definitely be a different player. I definitely felt that way about Springer when he was just getting started, but I think he just improved as a hitter over time. Uh, his strikeout rate year after year dropped there from like 2015 to 2018 and his walks continued just being in not high level to where I, he changed my mind. I feel different about that with Javi and it's mostly because, you know, strikes out a lot more, more than, than Springer does and walks about less than half the time amount of time that he does. And that's, that's the kind of stuff to where he's getting by with it because of his elite bat speed, just like Mondesi. I wouldn't think Mondesi is going to hold a high value for a long time. But 
you enjoy it while you got it, though. Yeah, for sure. Number 11 is Manning Machado, 61st overall, so top of the, I guess, sixth round, and we already discussed him on the third base podcast. And then we get to my former player that I just talked about trading away, Bo Bichette, at 72. And Bo missed time with a hand-finger injury due to a hit-by-pitch in AAA. I think it was like early May, mid-May last year. But in the 102 games he played between the majors and minors, Bo had 19 home runs and 19 steals. Pretty dang impressive. And I have to say, I think this ADP feels pretty light. What are your thoughts on where he's going? Yeah, I know we've talked about this one. <laughs> this, to me, is the argument for passing on Tatis at 17. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean, considering the amount of helium that is just priced into young players automatically off the top, I mean, it it happens all the time, you know, even in redraft leagues where it shouldn't. Dynasty is a whole different animal, but in redraft leagues where it shouldn't, some of the young guys, I just feel like they go too high from time to time. Guy, you know, even you're seeing it with Robert and other stuff. But I tell you, for a guy like this in this spot, I think, I think this is really good. Like I said, I think it's the argument for passing on Tatis. Five category upside is high. Yeah, seventy second pick. I mean, I actually had to look to make sure that you were right on that <laughs> because I'm just surprised that he hasn't trended up higher. Min picked forty six. So three, four wheel, that's the highest he's gone. I'm just surprised that he hasn't isn't going higher than this, to be honest. I agree. I'm surprised too. And just about every draft I've done, I haven't taken him in a single mock or a real draft. But every time he's gone, I'm like, man, that just seems like good value there. Now, we got our first Facebook question from the group here. And Rick Eimers asks, how quickly is Bo Bichette going to be at the top option in the in the league? And... Well, I'm not sure I'm with you on that, Rick, but I think he's got a chance to move right up there with the rest of those guys as a, you know, second, third round option by a year from now. That's that's my take. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think he's capable of being a second round pick next year. I mean, if it all if it all clicks, but there's also a ton of guys you could say that about. So mm -hmm. he's still got to do it. I just, I feel like there's pretty solid five category upside with him. So yeah, he, I mean, top option in the league. That's, that's a stretch probably, but I wouldn't call it impossible. And I think he could be anywhere from, you know, like you said, second, third rounder. Wouldn't surprise me. So we'll see how he does this year. Obviously, is going to factor into where he goes next year quite a bit because people will kind of forget about the cameo in the first year. It'll be more about next season. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, he has a, he has a solid job. Like the job is his. He's going to hit at the top of the lineup. It's not a bad lineup. I mean, improving, not great yet, but. It's a good spot. I, I definitely could see him moving up next year. Well, let me ask this. Should, do you think 
people who own him should be worried about the fact that he only stole four bases in 46 games when coming up. And he was also caught four times, so he was four for eight on the pads. Not really, no. I, I'm i curious to see what happens this year, how much they unleash him to run and all that. But 83rd percentile sprint speed I'm looking at. So that's pretty He's definitely good. fast. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. If we're sitting here in a year and he's 12 for 20 from 2020, you know, like if he's 12 caught eight times or something like that, Maybe then, but no, not right now. It's too small of a sample for me to think about. I personally think that steamer projection of 24 is a little aggressive knowing that. Let me ask you this. Over under 20 steals. What's the projection? 24? 24. I think 24 is high, too. Yeah. I think it's right around 20. Yeah. Like, Like 18 to 22, somewhere in there. Yeah, I'd be guessing high teens, probably myself. So I think we're pretty close to what we're thinking about. Stolen stolen bases are real wishy washy. Like yes, they are. Probably he could probably steal fourteen or twenty seven. You know, I just agree. It's kind of a tough thing. So especially whenever they haven't played a full season of the bigs yet. Right. So dynasty wise, I mentioned before, I think he's a top twenty five player. As I've been working on my ranks, I think I've got him inside that. I, I'll, I'd have to go look to see. But do you agree that he's up that high, or would you have him? Where, where do you think you'd have him on a dynasty ranks? Off the top of my head, in the twenties. So yeah, pretty similar. Yeah, heck of a player to own. Just oh yeah, I like, I, I'd rather own Tatis a little more. But they're both really, really good players. I, and the, I say that. I just don't think he's got quite the upside level that Tatis has. I think the speed's pretty comparable. But the power, I'm just not sure he's ever going to be at the same upside level that Tatis has. But I, he's also a better hitter on that note. Yeah. I, I think he's I got the better say, hit tool. I, I think Bo has the better hit tool. I, power and speed, I'll, I'll give it to Tatis. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I've got a... I've got Bichette in one dynasty league. I'm excited about it. He's not going anywhere. I've got no. quite a few, I've got quite a few middle infielders and I'm willing to move some of them, but I'm not moving him. I'm pretty sure of that. I was saying the same thing a week ago. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody yeah. comes at me with Tatis, we'll talk, but I mean, I, <laughs> it's going to be really hard. Yeah, I'm just saying like how I when I say that stuff, it's how I value them versus what I anticipate other people valuing them at. I I could uh-huh. always be wrong and I've been surprised before, but that's just when I say that stuff, that's what I'm the thought that goes into it. All right, we'll move on to number 13, Marcus Simeon, the 13th shortstop off the board at 87 overall. And, Andrew, we already got a baseball 365 bet on over-under on his home runs. And, well, that'll be determined during the season. Do you have anything new you want to mention on him? Not really. Just incredible year. 137 WRC plus. Walk rate went from 8.7% to 11.6%. 
K rate dropped from 18.6% to 13.7%. Hard hit percentage, barrel rate, chase rate, all improved. He sure is uh, moving up the ranks. It's pretty wild. I never thought I would see Marcus Simeon being drafted in the top 100. <laughs> never. So, I think good he for, was good for him. Honestly, it's it's cool to see this stuff. I think he was shortstop like 28 to 30, somewhere in that range last year. And I remember, I, I think we even talked about how he's just kind of ordinary to own. And man, he sure came out and brought it. In the last, you know, two years ago, his ADP or his war in 2017, I guess that's three years ago, was 1.7 and went up to 3.8 in 2018. And then last year it was 7.6. It doubled. And it's not fantasy related, but he was a pretty butcher. He was a butcher at shortstop five years ago, and he's what turned into one of the better ones in the league. So good for him for just finding ways to improve himself. That's one of those things you've got to put the work in to improve yourself, and he clearly has put in that work to be to move into this level. So I cheer for him for that reason. You don't. I I don't know if there's many people I'd say have improved themselves as well as he has 159 games played in 2018 and 162 games played in 2019. So he's missed three games in the last two years. You just don't see that. No, I know. And 123 runs scored last year. Wow. Oh my gosh. I hadn't seen that. The heart, one of the most underrated stats. Yeah. I was trying to pull up where he finished. Did he lead I don't know bets led the league. I think he no. I think he might have been second. I would guess so, unless DJ LeMahieu was up there. That would be my only other guess for who could be. And uh, I think LeMahieu played fourth. 145 games. Fourth? He was He was fourth in run scored. Bets, Devers, and Acuña had more. Jeez. Two Red Sox. Oh man. Okay. Well, we'll move on to number 14, the former first-round player Carlos Correa at 95 overall. And I got to say, this is one of the weirdest ranks to look at this year, isn't it? Definitely. It's just, I mean, I'm used to seeing him in the first round, and then he fell to the second or third, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I've, I haven't drafted him in this slot but i definitely like the idea of getting him around here and you know the health has been the problem for him he was real good when healthy what but we've been doing this a lot did you end up finding anything on the home road splits for correa as you were looking as we're talking about trash can gate how were <laughs> what, how, did, how did he look on the at home you know what i'm pulling it up now because i forgot but i got a few things uh, what, what you said, I just is funny that you mentioned Bogarts because steamer projection, they're both projected to earn the exact same amount, nineteen dollars. So I just thought that was interesting because it really it's it's similar projections. Basically, Bogarts more average, Correa more power. That's really it. I'm pulling up the. Uh, the splits right now but yeah health is just the main factor i mean 109 110 and 75 games the last three years 
143 WRC plus last year, which is really good. Ground ball percentage has been trending down. Hitting the ball harder and in the air more. 68th percentile sprint speed. I mean, the reason I mentioned that is just because I think most people now, when they think of Correa, they think a zero in steals. And that's probably right, but you never know. I mean, it's not like he's slow. Still and there's a new coach there. Still, there, is a, there is a new coach. How is Dusty with? Dusty, Dusty likes to run. I mean. Yeah, I, I thought so. Dusty always loved the runners. He had Trey Turner running a lot there. Billy Hamilton, he was his coach. I mean, those were the elite guys, but I don't think he's ever, he wasn't ever putting the green light or red light on Joey Votto early in his career. Votto would go out there and get it 10, 15 steals. And I think, I think he's always been pro stolen base. So that's some, that's an underrated thing that with all these Astros, it wouldn't surprise me if they were running more this year. Yeah, Correa last season, it's not a huge sample last season, so I'm trying to go to a career, but home much better, much better at home than on the road. But you're over right, the co- small sample. Over the course of, yeah, it was like, they were just under 40 games each. Over his career, 137 WRC plus at home, 123 on the road, so not crazy. His OPS was over 1,000 last year at home, so. Yeah, it's not too crazy. It's a little slanted towards towards the home games, but nothing uh, nothing too out of line, I guess. Nothing I would be worried about going forward if by any chance they were caught doing something last year. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, Kevin Obarski asks, what's Correa's value in Dynasty Leagues? Talented? Yes. Excellent lineup? Yes. However, there always seems to be something going on with him, which is frustrating. And I thought I'd start with this one. And as a dynasty owner myself, Kevin, I feel your pain. Andrew, I still think Correa is an awesome dynasty player to own. While he only played in 75 games last year, he still hit 21 home runs. His power is legit. And I think he's going to be a really good player for a while. Kind of like how we were talking about with the Lindors and guys like that. They're if they stay healthy, their value holds longer just because power hitters hold their value better. Unfortunately, his lack of speed does limit his upside as long as unless he decides to start running again. And while shortstops as deep as it is right now, his value is suppressed because of that that lack of speed. But I think he's still a top 30, 45 dynasty player as he still has MVP level upside. But I also don't see it getting too much higher, really, dynasty value wise. So what are your thoughts on Correa in terms of the dynasty value? As far as the actual rank, a 30 to 45, I think that's close i'd probably be a little more on the lower end of that but i'd have to actually sit down and put pen to paper with names you know that's just kind of how i am i i have to be i'm not real big with ranks it's like in the in the moment i'm gonna look at it and make my decision you know just depending on how i'm shaping my team and stuff i do like i like correa i mean i think that this whole thing with 
Like, there always seems to be something going on with him. I totally agree. But the thing is, is that is such a vague explanation that I always just think of those things as, is that predictive? Like, is that something that means it's going to continue? And I personally just don't believe that. So guys like that, I'm tended to prop up a little more, but I think that people still have, I, I mean, he's kind of polarizing there. I've, I've heard mm-hmm. people that are just like, I'm out, like I'm uh, done, you know, and I'm, I'm not there, but I also know that some of the shine is it's worn off, but I, I still think that there's going to be a season in here, the next two or three where he's healthy the whole year. And he has a huge season. I still think that. I just I don't agree. feel. I don't feel that these issues that have happened in the past really affect the future. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And that's. I feel that way with a lot of guys. You know, random stuff happens from time to time, and it sucks. It's unfortunate, but I don't know. I still believe in the talent with Korea personally. So. As far as where I'd have him ranked, I think what you said is pretty close, but I'd have to kind of be in a draft and looking at name versus name to really make that decision. I do. I will say I don't think that there's going to be much speed going forward. Mm-hmm. He's 25. Not that that's not old at all, obviously, but going into his late 20s with the injuries that he has had, and the offense that the Astros have, I think you can probably cap him at like eight to 10 steals. If he got more than that, I'd be surprised. So, yeah, but I mean, average power, the rest of it could be really good. I mean, we could be looking at him in a year to two years like we do Bogarts. I mean, they they really are. They can be similar. It's just Correa's had the injury stuff and Bogarts had, so... All I got to say is you're underestimating the power of Dusty Baker. <laughs> He's going to st- attempt 25 steals this year just because of Dusty. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, number 15, we got Tim Anderson. Like I said before, this is the 15th shortstop that's in the top 100. Absolutely incredible. And. Anderson also missed time with an injury. I can't remember exactly where offhand, but in 123 games, so three quarters of a season, he managed to hit 18 home runs and steal 17 bags. But the shocker was that he led the American League in batting average with the 335 batting average. Andrew, what percent is high? What percent of it is higher here? Tim Anderson's 2.9% walk rate in 2019 or the chances that he wins another batting title in his career? Walk rate, not even close. <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. I have, to, I have to say this here. There was nothing, and I mean nothing, more shocking than <laughs> Tim Anderson winning the batting title last season. If we if we would have been sitting there last year and you'd have said who's going to win the batting title and the did he win it in all of baseball was he 
Did he leave I can't remember. Rangers? I'll try to look that up while you go. But if you would have said, who's going to win the batting title? I probably would have named off two, three hundred names before I named him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've thought about it. I, nothing more shocking. The next time you tell yourself something can't happen, just remember Tim Anderson won the batting title because that just puts everything. I mean, it almost makes me just want to say, like, why are we even doing this? Anything's possible. It's totally <laughs> believe uh, in your dreams. Yeah, totally believe in your dreams type situation there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did lead the American League uh, six points ahead of Christian Yelich. <laughs> the majors. Yes, the majors. The majors. Yeah. He yeah, led a, Major League Baseball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, few, just a few, few things on him. Hard, hard hit percentage was up. I think his expected batting average was like 291. So it wasn't all a fluke. Still uh, still below league average, though, with the hard hit rate. So that just shows you how bad he – more so how bad he was before last year. 134th of 135 qualified hitters with the 2.9% walk rate. So second to last in baseball, I think Kevin Pillar was last, which is even more nuts for the guy that won the batting title. Crazy year, obviously. The average is not going to repeat. The lineup is better, and I actually think that the 17 steals he had last year might be the floor. So I think the the counting stats and the steals could possibly tick up, but the batting average is definitely obviously going down. So, If I recall right, it was an ankle injury for him, which would explain the drop in steals. I'm with you on the 17 being a low end. Okay, well, that – Walk rate question was a mean question, but like you can't take away from the fact that he had, was a, has been a nice shortstop to own the last few seasons. It's hard to find speed, and he's providing that with power. But the question I wonder is how long is he going to sustain this while swinging at everything? I mean, it's kind of like Baez. You just you don't think that that's going to age well, but of, right now it's nice. Yeah. It's not a bad spot really here either. I mean, Ron Pickle. I I actually thought he would. I, I think coming off the batting title and with the speed that he has and all of that stuff. So I don't think this is too bad around pick 100. Now, he's going two picks apart from Correa. We were saying Correa may be undervalued. So are you? would you rather have Correa than Anderson straight up in a redraft? It's team construction in a redraft. I mean, they're just two totally different players. I'm probably drafting Correa before Anderson, but if I have a power base, you know, all that plays into it. I mean, it's it in redraft, it's so much more about team construction than it is which player is better than yeah. which player or what you know, you have yeah. to have enough balance in the categories. So I would, you know, it would just depend on what I previously had in this spot. But I think that, I mean, I believe in Correa more than Anderson, if that's the question. But if I'm in this spot and I need steals, I mean, I'm not taking Correa. I'm taking Anderson. So it just, it's really just comes down to that. That's a good explanation. 
sometimes the better player may not be the better one for your team. All right, well, that is where we are going to cut off this episode. And Andrew and I will be back in just a couple days, and we'll talk about the rest of the shortstop position. I appreciate you all listening and supporting the show as you have all offseason long. And until just a couple days from now, take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.